Welcome back to the program. A fascinating hour, our discussion about the future of policing, what we want from police, what is it that you hear when you hear defund the police. It's getting thrown around so much, and, you know, sometimes when these things get going into the public consciousness, they begin to lose their original meaning, or they can get shaped and weaponized from one side or the other. And if you think defund the police means that we just don't pay the police anymore, then that's not what that means. Right now what it means is an examination of the resources that we spend on law enforcement and thinking about whether or not those eggs should go in that basket or maybe they should go somewhere else. Maybe we should think more about it. And when we think about police reform, one of the things you're hearing more and more these days is body cams. You heard the prime minister talking about it yesterday, saying he's going to have a conversation with the premiers and with his provincial counterparts about getting body cameras, body-worn cameras by police officers going faster. The RCMP has said they're going to do it. Now, here's just from the overnight, from the news from overnight, Ontario's police watchdog investigating after a man died in an interaction with police in Vaughan. This happened in North Toronto, north of Toronto, pardon me, in Vaughan. The SIU says York Regional Police were called to a home around 11 p.m. Monday night. It was a domestic incident, was the the call. The SIU says the first officer had an interaction with a man, then other officers arrived, helped make an arrest. The agency says the man's vital signs were absent at the time, and he was pronounced dead when paramedics arrived. Police say one officer was slightly injured and taken to hospital. And as I mentioned, the RCMP have said, well, they're going to put cameras on some of their officers. Now, do we know whether or not there were any cameras on these officers here in Vaughan? And would, I mean, we don't know what happened. Obviously, the SIU is investigating, but we also know it's going to take a long, long time, usually, for the SIU to come up with any kind of ruling. I mean, for example, what's going on in Regis uh, Korchinski Paquette, the, the young woman who fell from the balcony, and what was the Toronto Police involvement in that? We don't know. The SIU is investigating. It's going to take a while. So here's the intersection now between the cameras and SIU. So if those officers had cameras on their persons, would we as the public get to see what happened? Would we, or would the SIU just say, we watched the video, everything's good, go home, nothing to see here? And does that engender public trust? Is that accountability? When you hear talk of body cameras, where do you think the resistance is for them? Do you think the tor- that police themselves don't want body cameras? Is it, because if you believe that, that's not true. Here's Mike McCormick, who is the president of the Toronto Police Association on this radio station, on this radio program, yesterday talking about body-worn cameras by Toronto Police. Our membership supports body-worn cameras. We piloted them. Our members loved them. They wanted to get them rolled out. So that now, and there was a recent petition, that now is in the hands of the Police Service Board on a procurement contract. So that argument's already baked. We're ready to get them. Our members are waiting for them. And then you're getting into the bureaucratic red tape. So that's where that lies. That is Mike McCormick, who is the president of the Toronto Police Association, saying his membership welcome cameras. They just want to get the money spent. It's red tape, and that's why they don't have them. The police are not an obstacle. But do you believe that body-worn cameras are going to solve things? One of the places that they've been deployed, you know, far more than in Canada, is the United States. And I don't know if you've been watching the news, but it's hardly like the... 
deployment of body-worn cameras by police have, you know, brought the temperature down. That hasn't happened. Eric Lemming is a University of Toronto doctoral candidate who is studying police use of force and oversight, and I spoke with Eric earlier this morning over Zoom. Eric, welcome to the program. Thank you. So what are you studying in terms of police force and the use of police force? Uh, Well, so my research is looking at police use of force in Ontario and its impact on Indigenous and Black community members. So I'm looking at kind of I'm looking at quantitative data from the SIU and other sources from Ontario Police Services in the province and interviewing Black and Indigenous community members and getting their experiences and perceptions of use of force and kind of just seeing, you know, what the experience might help us learn more from, from the quantitative data. And what's your understanding of the use of police-worn body cameras and how they are deployed in the community? I mean, so I've been looking at this, the, the technology for quite some time, and I've always been objectively skeptical of them, just because in Canada, we just haven't had that type of research kind of come out yet. There hasn't been robust studies that looks at, you know, whether the cameras are effective on multiple measurements, so whether it can, you know, improve community relations, if we just don't have that evidence. I mean, in the U.S. and overseas, there's been a lot of evidence that comes out to suggest that the cameras can be effective in some capacity, but we also have research that suggest that it, it isn't and it's not what we expect it to to really do what are the privacy concerns and are those privacy concerns do you believe um disproportionately felt by people of color or indigenous peoples for sure i mean privacy concerns it's another layer to this technology and that's a kind of a complexity of this technology in general is we don't we have to kind of work those issues out in in legislation um you know when the cameras are rolling in the public it's going to be capturing everything going on what about victims of crime uh like possibly like sexual assault victims are they going to have to be interviewed on camera so a lot of things that have to go into you know privacy issues in terms of whether it might impact you know black and indigenous community members from my research and the interviews that i do with with some of the some of the community members a lot of them are kind of suspicious or skeptical that it's more so a surveillance tool so it's an added surveillance technique that the police may use in those communities that are already targeted so that's another issue that kind of we have to discuss as well the the conventional wisdom is is that they add a layer of trust because uh for those that are are facing the police that it's being recorded and that for the police themselves that it you know require or it provides a document in which they can defend themselves against uh, allegations but is that the experience in the real world when it's, when these cameras are actually used? Yes and no. I mean, it's gonna it's great for the police in terms of protecting themselves, uh, especially against you know maybe frivolous complaints that that may be lodged against them. In terms of whether it's gonna be a safety measure for the community, we don't really know that yet because again, there's not much evidence to suggest it it it, it makes things safer. Uh, but what we do know, I mean, if you look at it from a transparency perspective. In Canada, you have many layers of police oversight. So if cameras are rolling, uh, there's an use of force case, it goes to a police oversight agency like the SIU. I mean, the video is going to be pending, you know, it won't be released because it's going to be pending that investigation. It's going to be in in that the control of the oversight agency. So if we ever want to see that footage, we got to wait quite some time to even get it released. And if it will even be released, it's questionable. Uh, and at that point, there's going to be other privacy issues involved because a lot of you know, people are going to have to be edited out or 
the audio will have to be redacted. So a lot of things go into those conversations. In the US though, I mean, if you look at what happened in Minnesota with the George Floyd case, I mean, all those officers were wearing cameras, but they were also being filmed. So the video, the video evidence was actually not released by the police service of the officers involved. They instead released the video evidence of an officer who was on the other side of the road. So you kind of, you get an idea of what was going on, but you don't really know from that officer's body camera what was going on precisely. You only know because the, the bystanders video was capturing everything and that's the access that we have to it. We don't have access to the, to the actual officers who were involved, body camera. And I think that's an issue that, that many people don't think through is no. that at the end of the day, the video is in the possession of the authorities and mm-hmm. they decide what is released and when it's released. Exactly. I mean, that's a major issue that I, the public maybe just hasn't really thought that through because they think it's kind of, it, they think it's going to work wonders just to put, put it on, put the cameras on the officer. Things are going to just change dramatically. I mean, that's not going to happen. Uh, it, it is in the control of the police officers, the police departments. And that's another thing that comes out of my research. I mean, a, a few of the participants that I've, I've interviewed have kind of suggested that they wouldn't want to lodge a complaint against the police after body cameras are in place because they're afraid that maybe it's, it's going to be used against them in the future because the police control it, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of issues that really haven't been discussed in that aspect. And it, it could be a tool for the police down the road that it kind of gives them a little bit more power, so to speak. Eric, thank you so much for your time. Eric Lemming is a PhD candidate at the University of Toronto. I really appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much. Thank you. So interesting over the last hour. I think, uh, I hope, I certainly hope that you've learned something. I have. Uh, and, and I think here's my sum up on what you've heard over the hour. Uh, And that is that if you think that you have accountability from police, and if you think you have accountability in terms of police spending, you don't. You don't. There are layers of bureaucracy between the city and between the province. The province is the overall arbiter of this stuff with the Police Services Act. There is no accountability. There is not enough accountability. And I think if we're going to talk about what it is that we need the police force to be going forward. We need better oversight. We need better communication. No more of this SIU will be get back to you in 18 months about what happened. So that next thing you know, there are leaks from the police force and it's, you know, written up in the Toronto Sun. We can't have that. We need accountability in terms of the money, where it goes. We need influence direct influence as the citizens of this city over how the money is spent. Because you heard some of our callers say, well, we need to put money here and there. It was like, well, does that mean defund the police? Like, well, no, no, just get the money somewhere else. Well, you know that it's not that simple. And as the police budgets continue to go up and the accountability and the transparency seems to go down, we're in the wrong direction. We need to know more about how the money is spent on the police. And we need to be able to hold officers accountable faster and with more transparency because we don't have it in the city and we don't have it in this province.